Look for 7 at 7 local streaming news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Find it on your smartphone at the RJ app or it's available on Roku TV, Fire TV and Apple TV. Download the app and you're ready to go for 7 at 7. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's Wednesday, which means it's time for takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. Welcome, everybody, to another Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang, and we are presented to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal and also by Blue Wire Podcast. Joining me today, I have Hondo Carpenter on the show. I'm so excited to have him back. Hondo is amazing at doing what he does. He covers things for Sports Illustrated, Raider Maven. Thank you so much, Hondo, for coming on to join me this week. Thanks, Heidi. I love it. Don't you love our weather in Vegas today? It's only 3,000 degrees. <laughs> yeah, my father-in-law always says when he gets out here, it's like putting your head in the oven. So, <laughs> Yeah, but no humidity. Yeah, and you know, credit to the guys for doing workouts that require much more intensity than what I'm putting together, carrying around a camera on the field. So yeah, it's uh, you know one of those things that you get a, a lot more respect for what you see out of the guys and the team and what they go through on the daily basis and the grind to go out there in 100, what I'm gonna say is 120 degree weather and they don't even have the pads on yet. And and that's because last week was about 108 and you figure some of these guys are, are wearing like those, um, the, those sleeves on their arms. Yeah, it's nuts, I could not do it, Heidi. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm just telling you the truth. Then I watch some of the guys when they're allowed to be in shorts and they're wearing tights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're wearing at least as possible. <laughs> right. That's, I'm, I'm going to maybe show my legs to people next week. I don't normally reveal them just because <laughs> I have like those those soccer legs that, you know, <laughs> they pop out of the shorts like the Hulk. And I didn't want to scare anybody. So uh, but I have to probably scare some people this coming week because it's not going to get any lighter on the temperature. But like I said, going through OTAs right now, mini camp is upon us. So. As we start to look at some of the developments and progress, Hondo, some of these guys out in the OTAs and, and putting in the work on the field, um, you know, I, I'm thinking a lot about what they did with the defense. And that was an obvious point where the Raiders needed to step up from last year. When you start to look at some of the rookies they brought in, some of the safeties they brought in, what they did with the defensive line over the offseason, is there any one person that draws your attention as the – uh, acquisition that can really help turn this team around? Well, I think the obvious is Yannick Ngakwe. And I'm not, I'm just going to talk about him for a second because everybody in the world knows that was the biggest. But if, if I was had to step back and look for another one, I'm going to talk about Solomon Thomas. This is a guy that played at a really big level. And then he goes out and gets injured by the Niners. I mean, gets injured playing for the Niners. They end up, you know, that end, ends up moving into free agency and the Raiders really got him as a deal. I've talked to several people. You know, I, I, I host a show on Mondays on Raider Nation Radio, and I, I had a, a former general manager on who talked about they thought that could be the steal of free agency if he's back to 100%. And everything we're hearing is he's going to be by time camp gets going, training camp gets going. So I think that's a guy that that's not getting a lot of play, Heidi, that absolutely could. Then you look at Carl Joseph comes in as a safety. That's a huge addition. They needed him. Casey Hayward is a guy, a former pro bowler. Is he as good as he once was? No, I don't think anybody thinks he is. 
But I'm going to tell you what, I think Damon Arnett now is on the outside looking in at a starting job. And I think that's good for Damon. I think, but I'm, I'm going to say this to you because I said it before the, the last game of the year. The biggest free agent signing was getting Gus Bradley. And they had to go get a mastermind. No one doubts John Gruden's ability to coach an offense. But there was a lot of problems under Gunther's. One player told me it was club silver and black, you know, where there, there wasn't a ton of accountability. There wasn't a lot there. There, were, there was a lot of guys confused, a lot of verbiage. Then all of a sudden you bring in Gus Bradley and the don't underestimate bringing Miles with them. Yeah. And these guys have come in and, you know, Gus Bradley's not a guy who's going to sit there and F-bomb you and scream at you. He's just not going to play you. He's going to go to Mayock and say, cut them. They're not going to play. And you know as well as I do, Heidi, you cover the Raiders as good as anybody. Um, these guys care about their paychecks. And they, their paycheck matters. And so, the, you know, if, hey, all of a sudden, if it's going to cut into playing time and I've got bonuses for certain levels or it's going to be a chance of getting cut, that's a huge deal. So there's a lot of them. Um, one thing I, I would say to you, Heidi, and I would think that you would agree with me, is whether you like what the Raiders did this offseason or not, there is no argument. They're better today than they were when the season ended. If you want to talk about Trent Brown, you're better by subtraction. Your best ability is availability. He wasn't available. And quite frankly, I think you could question his maturity a lot. I think Trent had a negative impact on some guys because of immaturity. And you look at Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson, great guys, two men of character and integrity. No one questions their integrity, character. That's not even in the equation with those two. But availability has to match ability. Paid a lot of money, missed a lot of games. So they come in, they bring get Richie Incognito back, one of the best guards. Andre James is a guy we were talking about last year who, because guys on the team were bragging about him. Uh, then they go out and get Jimmy Morrissey, a seventh-round kid, goes to Pittsburgh, Heidi, as a walk-on, earns a scholarship, becomes a three-year starter at Pittsburgh, and a captain. That's a guy that I went out early the night of the draft, and I'll say it right here on your podcast – I'm going to predict he makes the, the makes his team as a seventh rounder. So all of a sudden now, does it make Nick Martin expendable? They go get one of the best running centers in all the NFL in Nick Martin. Okay, so that helps the Raiders team that could pass the ball last year but couldn't run away from a cold. And so does it make Nick Martin expendable or do they put Morrissey down on the practice squad, which I don't know that he would stay there. I think a team would pick him up but, that, but to make room for Sam Young. This team is exponentially better. I wanted to ask you right there, you talk about the offensive line and how it's been restructured. They brought back Sam Young, as you mentioned there. Uh, what does that mean for some of the others that they've drafted, that they've brought in, that, you know, like you talked about a Nick Martin Um Sam Young coming back, he showed a lot of versatility last year. He could play different positions, but he also suffered a lot of injury. He would come in, he, you know, I think it was at least three games that I can recall where he played maybe a quarter before he's hurt. He had a knee issue that seemed to be ongoing. How reliable is he going to be? Just even if it's a depth piece, uh, how reliable can Sam Young be on this offensive line? Another great question by you, Heidi. I think when you look at him, that's one of the things, and no one doubts Sam Young's ability when Sam Young is on the field. And I think this is where OTAs are such a good thing for the Raiders. 
He's going to have to demonstrate through OTAs and training camp, I can stay healthy and I can stay reliable. If he's able to do that, then I think he's definitely a guy that's got a really good shot at making this roster. But again, you, you nailed it. He's back because he wasn't making Gabe Jackson or Rodney Hudson money. And he's back, and if he can prove to stay healthy – then this is a guy who can have a fighting shot at making this roster. But right now, and and listen, how fortunate are the Raiders? They have the best offensive line coach in all of football, not just in the NFL, of all football and Tom Cable. He is a well-respected genius. He's an offensive line savant. So then, and how about this? On our show that I co-host, Pritch and Clay on Raider Nation Radio, we brought in Butch Jones. You may remember Butch Heidi. He was the former Tennessee head coach, one of my best friends. He's been at Alabama the last several years, so he worked with Leatherwood. I had been hearing before the draft that they were interested in Leatherwood, so we brought him on and specifically asked him about Leatherwood. Nice. Because I had heard that. Um, I knew that they'd been kicking the tires hard for him. They liked him. I heard that Cable loved him, and so that's why we asked him. So I think Alex Leatherwood is going to come in and shock a lot of people. And for people that are concerned about the youth or inexperience on the Raiders offensive line, go back and be a realist. How often was that offensive line as a, in totality on the field last year? And it was minimal. So I don't think you have anything to worry about. I think the offensive line is going to be just fine. What are some of the intangibles that the Raider Nation can expect from him? He is, first of all, let me just say this. Butch gave me a, what a great quote. He's the guy you want your daughter to marry off the field. And the guy you want with you in a, in a back alley if you're walking out of a building in the middle of the night because if 30 guys jump you, there's going to be 30 guys on the ground and it's not going to be Alex Leatherwood. He is an old school raider. He's got the Ted Hendricks. You know, he's got the Lyle Alzado toughness, the Matt Millen, the Howie Long. He's a guy that's going to go out and punch you in the face take your lunch money, go buy a pizza. And then when you walk off the field, he'll go visit you in the hospital and send you flowers. I mean, this, everything I heard about this guy from people I know who are really close to him, they love him personally, just a hard worker. He's a leader. I mean, listen, you don't play as a starter for three years at a bunch of different positions for Nick Saban in the SEC if you stink. And this guy is versatile. He can play a lot. I loved what Mayock did. I loved it. I, I, matter of fact, I was sitting with my assistant at watching the draft. And after Mayock's presser, I literally turned and said, I wonder what Heidi thinks of that. When Mayock came right out at his press conference and said, uh, he's our starting right tackle day one. I love that. Mayock threw down the gauntlet. Take that NFL network. Take that ESPN. Take that any of you pundits. He's a starter, baby. I love it. Like you said, I mean, he really, you know, back to his decision. He threw it down like that. He had no qualms about saying it and being confident about that decision. And that's what you should be if you're the general manager. And this is who you're selecting as your number one pick, albeit he's not on anybody's top 20 doped out sheet. And when you start analyzing those and you look at Mayock's credits and his background, He was the one making those doped out sheets. And he's probably, like he said, I think a few times, not looking at anybody else's sheet. He's going off of his own assessment, what they need, what fits the Raiders scheme. And I, at first when I was at the draft and I heard that name, I was like, what are they doing? 
And, and the reason being is I thought there were other people that were ahead of him that I had heard or rang tire and, you know, but then you start thinking about it and you go, really? Well, what do I know? What do hmm. I know? I'm trying to, you know, figure out who makes the best fit, what the Raiders need, going by need, looking at the board, thinking of other names. And I think at that point, a lot of the big names were gone. Like Elijah Vera Tucker was one that was highly touted. Um, yeah, Alex Leatherwood. I can't see wait to see what he opens up for this Raiders offense. And specifically because the Raiders went after Kenyon Drake this year in the offseason. And John Gruden has been known for building these running back duos that are like fire and ice, earth, wind and fire, mm-hmm. you know, all those kinds of things. Um, well, earth, wind and fire was the New York Giants back in the day. R.I.P. Jim Fossil, because uh, I've heard that he passed today. And he yeah, was what is the book. Let me just give a shout out. I love yeah. Jim Fossil. Every time I interacted with him, just so kind. He always had a great story. Man, I'm sad to see him go. One of the good guys. True. Very true. And RIP, when he was here in Vegas, he had a radio show. He used to let me come on and and do a fantasy bit. I got to talk about fantasy football with him. And that was an amazing experience for me. It lasted uh, one season, but I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed coming on. I enjoyed every Saturday and looked forward to uh, to doing that. Uh, So yeah, definitely RIP coach. But uh, when we get to Gruden and the running back duos that he's made solid Super Bowl winning teams off of. What do you think about the mix of Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake? I think instantly Josh Jacobs gets better. Um, I love the, the this. I love it. I can't say it enough. Last year, I remember sitting in the press box and watching games and watching how this team played. And you could see Josh Jacobs wearing down. And because it just the beating he took. Now, a lot of that had to do with an offensive line that was by the time he got to the fourth quarter was piecemealed with scotch tape and Elmer's glue. But here's what Kenyon Drake does. Kenyon Drake allows them to put Kenyon out wide. They can line him up at the X, the Y, the W. They could split him out. They could move him out of the backfield in pass catching formations. You can run them together with a double running back set. I think Kenyon Drake is a lot uh, very similar to Alvin Kamara at the Saints. He's going to make this offense exponentially better. First of all, his speed. I mean, I want you to think about this. Darren Waller is not a guy that's going to go out and run a 4-2. But for a tight end, his crisp routes, he's great. Henry Ruggs, and wow, we haven't even talked about HR. This is, and I hope we do before we go, but Henry Ruggs can stretch the field. Then you got Kenyon Drake. Can you imagine if you put, you know, Henry Ruggs out wide and then put Kenyon in the slot? I mean, it's 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 a pick your poison because there's going to be very few teams with the defensive backs that can cover those two at top speed. Then you got Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro. I mean, you can't forget Snead, John Brown. Think yeah. about John Brown, Heidi. I was big on Nelson Aguilar. Okay, they got John Brown for half of what they would have had to pay Nelson, and his stats are better than Nelson. I mean, it just goes on and on. The wealth of resources on this Raiders offense is amazing. The best fullback in the NFL and Alec Ingold. So, yeah, I love what they did with Kenyon Drake. Now, I feel bad. I'm going to tell you who I feel bad for with Kenyon Drake, and it's Derek Carr, and here's why. Because John Gruden has – the biggest playbook in all of the NFL. All of, I, one player I know who played for him said it wasn't uncommon to have him to come in on a Monday and download it on your computer 
was 100 new plays that you had to learn by Sunday. New plays on top of the 100 you already knew. So with adding of Kenyon Drake, who knows? It could be 150 more plays. How do you, I don't even know how you remember 150 plays throughout training camp. No. Let alone 100 new ones to 150 in one week. But I, I'm, obviously I'm kidding with Derek. But I just think <laughs> it just it just makes them such a more potent team and they already had a great offense. Yeah, in all seriousness, like I think the idea of thinking of them like a Camara and, and a Latavius Murray or, you know, what have you um, kind of situation is one of those things that is going to be just huge for them. Um, so huge for the Raiders. And it'll take a lot of pressure off of those guys. Like you're talking about Henry Ruggs, Brian Edwards that are expected to take a big step forward. Something I know Henry Ruggs has been doing. He's been taking this very seriously. And I know that during the uh, off season, he's been working on his conditioning, his weightlifting, his core, trying to get in shape. To your point with Henry Ruggs, I want to ask about that dynamic speed, about that route running is something I think that he had some miscommunications on last year. How does he get better in those areas? Heidi, that's a great question. It's why I love listening to your podcast. It's why I love being in the press room with you. You're so good at what you do. Um, let me go back and say this. There were a lot of fans last year ripping the Raiders because of what they perceived as an unproductive rookie class. Now, I think there was one player who underproduced more than anybody. We'll get to that in a minute. But I, I don't think fans understood the value of OTAs, the mini camps, and all of the work. I remember last year, Derek Carr gets a bunch of guys in the desert, but it wasn't something that happened every day. It was a rarity. So when you look at wide receiver, those are precision patterns. You run nine steps, cut to your left. Nine steps, cut at a 45-degree angle to your right, where Derek has to be able to get you the ball at a place, very specific. Henry Ruggs did not have a good rookie year. But Henry Ruggs didn't have a good rookie year because Henry Ruggs, because of COVID, didn't get an opportunity to get the reps in with his quarterback to learn what he wanted. Now, Damon Arnett didn't have a good year, <clears throat> and I said this before the season ended, Damon Arnett needed to grow up and needed to mature this offseason. Henry Ruggs' issues weren't maturity. It was learning how to run better routes. But how do you do that? You learn it in practice when you're with Derek who can say, listen, cut that off with your speed. You know, we're telling everybody to cut it at nine yards. Why don't you cut it at 10? Because your speed's going to get you there a little bit faster. Those are things that people don't know about. Those are people that things that people don't understand about the nuances of the game. And so Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards didn't have the year. Remember, they were both starters before injury with beginning of the year. And that's without OTAs and mini camps. This is two guys that people aren't talking about. Heidi, I know you're as plugged in as I am. Everybody's talking about Henry. He's bigger, faster, stronger. He knows his playbook. That guy is going to be a terrorist in the AFC West. Brian Edwards, I think the same thing. Brian Edwards is good because Brian Edwards is a completely different player. Yeah, he's a wide receiver, but completely different. Just think about this, Heidi. Hunter Renfro, Sneed, Brown, uh, Edwards, Ruggs, Zay Jones. You know, it goes back to Julio Jones. One of the things that I love about the Las Vegas Review Journal, and I know that we compete, but I'm still going to give you credit because I love this about your paper, because you do what we do at Sports Illustrated. 
The Las Vegas Review Journal doesn't sell clickbait. If the Las Vegas Review Journal puts a story up, whether it's Adam, you, Vinny, or any of your other great writers, it's substantive information. It's good stuff. You guys don't don't cheat the fans. I love that about what you do, and I credit you because that's not the case with everybody in the national media. And so when the Julio Jones thing came out, I instantly talked about the Raiders will not give up a first-round pick. I don't believe anyone will unless they're going to get cash from Atlanta because of his salary. And I got that from talking to several people in management around the NFL. I also said, because of someone I know who works with Atlanta, that the Raiders did call. There was no offer, but they did kick the tires, but made it very clear. We're not overpaying for him. So if you can't find a suitor, we're interested, but we're real happy with what we had. So while everyone else was stirring the fans, and you guys did not, we had to talk about it because they did call. They did kick the tires. That was legitimate. But you guys weren't doing, you weren't, you, again, doing the same thing we did at Sports Illustrated. You weren't out there selling clickbait to the fans because the Raider fan base is so big, they'll click anything. I literally remember when June 1st hit, I had people, you know, sending me emails and getting a hold of me on social media. Hey, it's the Julio Jones watch. You're going to look stupid. And I just would send back a smiley face. Well, <laughs> he is in Tennessee today. And why? Because first of all, the Raiders weren't one player away. They weren't one. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Everybody I know in an NFL management told me they thought Baltimore is where that, that, that where Baltimore needed to be one player away or Tennessee. That's what everyone told me. It's what we said, what we reported. So what I found interesting, though, is that tells you the confidence that they had. But one other big thing about Mayock and Gruden, they have been so socially, excuse me, so financially conservative that you, you may remember this, Heidi. Last year in week six, I started hearing from NFL management people about the coming salary cap apocalypse. I took a lot of grief. People laughed at me. They mocked me. And I kept telling people, starting in about week nine, the Raiders are going to be fine. Then when it hit, no, we're not. We're this much over. And I said, relax. The way they did deals, they're going to get below and they're going to be buyers. The Raiders, I mean, look, at they go get Yannick Ngakwe. Signed him first day. Needed him desperately, but didn't overpay. There wasn't one free agent that they paid for. There were some guys that could have paid more, but we're not going to gamble the future. Why? Because we're not the, Ra the Raiders run by Al Davis anymore. You know, if Al Davis, and I'm not ripping him, he's an American and a professional sports icon. But late in his career, he made some decisions that weren't good. Just Jamarcus Russell, some free agents that weren't good. And I think if you're going to praise him and he deserves that, then he also deserves some of the criticism for late in his career. But that's Julio Jones is a trade that probably Al Davis would have made. There was some free agent guys that Al Davis probably would have went and overpaid for. But instead, Mayock and Gruden waited, let the market come to them, got real good guys at real good value. So look at what they did. Andre James is a young center. But he was a guy last year that they were letting Hudson take reps off because they wanted to see James. He did a lot on special teams, and they loved his effort. They loved that kid. So they're like, okay, we think we can let Rodney go. There's been some injuries, but with the money he's making, we really like Andre. So yeah. they let Rodney go. So then they go sign a Nick Martin, the best run, excuse me, one of the best run centers in all the NFL because that's where they stink. 
But then they stole Jimmy Morrissey. I know for a fact the Raiders did not even expect Morrissey to get to them. They, they had about a grade, fourth-round grade on him. And they thought, boy, this is a guy we'd love to have. He's versatile. He can play a ton of positions on the interior. They loved Jimmy Morrissey. And now I can tell you this, Pat Narduzzi is his head coach at, at Pitt, is one of my very best friends. So on the, you, if you saw this, uh, we had uh, Jim, uh, Jimmy Morrissey on my radio show the day after the draft talking about, you know, Pat's texting me. He's going to be a Raider, going to be a Raider. They love him. Cable loves him. And so they go get a Jimmy Morrissey. So look at what they did. So now they have Nick Martin, a proven backup. So you go through OTAs, you go through mini camp, you go through training camp. Okay, do, do we let a Nick Martin go? Because Jimmy Morrissey is exactly what we thought. Or do we put try to see if we can keep Jimmy on the, on the practice squad? Maybe. I mean, there's so many different options for this team because they've stayed flexible financial financially. They've been disciplined. Again, not a cheerleader. My job's to tell the truth. I said going into the last game last year, if the Raiders lose, this season isn't a disaster. But if they win, it isn't as good as I thought they'll do. But it, you can't call it a disaster because in year three, it's yet again a higher number of wins for Gruden. You got to call spade a spade. But if you don't think this team is better today than when the season ended, you're probably a Chiefs fan. <laughs> Yeah, Hondo, you gave us there a lot of credit on the Julio Jones situation. It's like you stole my thunder there. I was going to do the exact same thing for you because I had been reading your coverage and I was glad that, you know, you weren't overselling it as well as like, well, good. There's somebody else, you know, there's at least two of us that aren't going and overselling that story. And uh, thanks for the credit there as well. I always appreciate it. I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you a little bit more about the season and uh, we'll wrap things up as well. Please check out our new 7 at 7 newscast weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Get every bit of local news you need in seven minutes from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Welcome back to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's Heidi Fang, and I'm joined here by SI.com's Hondo Carpenter. You can also catch him on Raider Nation Radio. Hondo, tell everybody the days and times that you are on Raider Nation Radio. I'm on Raider Nation Radio co-hosting Pritchett and Clay on Mondays from 7 to 10, and then I'm also on Fridays at 8 o'clock Great stuff. in the morning. Great stuff. Yeah, that's all Pacific time, of course, if you happen to be listening back east. So uh, check out Raider Maven as well as Spartan Nation. Those are things that Hondo is a publisher on with Sports Illustrated. Uh, Hondo, as we walked away, we were talking about the Julio Jones situation, um, both giving each other praise for that. But I want to look now at the season. Uh, They don't face those Titans, so I think that's that's a good thing for them now. But uh, when you start looking at the Raiders' schedule over this 18-week season that we now have ahead of us, where do you see any hard spots that the Raiders, you think, could have a a tough go at as the schedule? uh, Let's see, I think it's decent, though, that they have the the Week 8 bye. I really liked that. Um, I can see a couple areas where I think automatically, well, that's going to be a tough stretch, um, some playoff contenders they face. But for you, what do you see automatically when you look at it? You know, there's a couple times where you see him, you know, making some trips east. 
on a short week after a Monday night. I think those are going to be losses. I mean, it's hard enough to travel from the West Coast to the East Coast and get an early game, but on a short week. Um, I know I made some fans mad. I predicted they're going to go to Dallas and lose that game. It's a short week. Uh, then they play on Thanksgiving. And so it's going to probably be a relatively early game. So if your guys whose bodies adjust to the West Coast, that's a miserable experience. I'm going to tell you this, Heidi. Here is what I always do. Uh, I always predict a season saying, to me, what's the max level of regular season wins? And then what's the, what's the floor? What is the acceptable lowest number? Last year, I said I thought the team would win 10. I said, but eight was the lowest it could be and still be a successful season. I'm going to go a step farther this time. I think 11 wins is what this team's ceiling is, 11 and six. In fact, that's what I predicted recently in Sports Illustrated. I went through all the games, gave my streaks, when I thought they win, when I thought they lose. And I said, but 10 is the, is the floor to me. This is a double-digit win team. And it's a double-digit win team in an extra game. And I think that especially with fans in there. Now, I'm going to give you a dynamic that I can't wait to see. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Heidi. This is not Mark Davis's fault. Mark Davis priced his tickets fair. But the casinos and a lot of third parties, a lot of people bought those tickets as an investment. I have a buddy who's a school teacher in Dallas, Texas. His wife used to be my secretary. I actually introduced them. They've been married for many, many years, four kids, and they travel up to Chicago every year to watch the Bears. They're diehard Bears fans, and they love the Chicago Bears. And so they called me and said, hey, listen, can we stay with you because we're coming out there to to watch Chicago play the Raiders? And I said, well, you better find – tickets are expensive – he said, yeah, we just bought two of them for 3500 bucks." And he goes, but by time we travel <clears throat> up there to Chicago and everything else, it's what we're going to pay. So we don't mind for a road game. Now, I want you to think about something. Rick Goslin, who is the Hall of Fame writer, he's a Hall of Fame voter for the Dallas Morning News. Great guy. He happens to be my mentor. And last year, he said something on, on, on uh, our Sports Illustrated podcast about the Raiders. And I thought was interesting. I want to get your input. He said it used to be Dallas was where every team wanted to go for, to, on the road to watch their team play. And he said, you guys need to be careful because I think the Raiders have lost their home field advantage. Now, let me give you one example. I have 34 friends who are traveling here just for the Bears game. 34 friends from around the country. I have every single home game, people have already contacted me saying, hey, can I stay at your house? I've already bought tickets. (laughs) It is stunning to me. And I'm serious. I remember going to Oakland. I was covering the Detroit Lions when they played Oakland in a preseason game. Matt Millen, who I think you know this, is my best friend, very close to Matt. I love Matt dearly. So I'm out there covering the Lions, and that's where I got to meet Al Davis the first time. And so I'm out there, and that crowd was unbelievable. I think, and it's not Mark Davis's fault, but so many people have bought those tickets for an investment, Mm -hmm. and they're selling those tickets, that I'm anxious to see. Yes, Raider Nation has deep pockets. Nobody doubts that. But when you're getting nosebleed seats for $3,500, for two tickets. That's a lot of money. 
And a lot of people are coming in from around the country because they want to be in your house. I, I, I had one person tell me um, who's a very large third party broker who I'm friends with, who has a lot of Raider tickets. Uh, he said to me, I think it'll be cheaper for Raider fans to go watch the Raiders at other places than in Allegiant Stadium if they're not season ticket holders. I'd love your feedback on that. I think you're 100% on to something here. And Las Vegas, as it is, is a very transient city. So there's not people here that are 100% uh, always going to be there. So if I bought, like you said, season tickets, but I travel all the time. So maybe I sell those tickets on, you know, eBay or wherever you sell them, uh, you know, two tickets a piece to whoever wants to come in through town. And I think the benefit of this is that both LA and Oakland are close, but the price point, if you're talking about a weekend trip, you think about the hotels already putting up the rates higher. Um, so maybe you're looking for an Airbnb somewhere because the hotel rooms here are going to cost you at least minimum 250 a night during a Raider game. And then you talk about the transportation. Now, uh, Mark Bedane held a press conference last week where they talked about the transportation and said that they're going to have many different ways. That There's at least seven different ways you can get to Raider Stadium, whether it's a shuttle, whether it's a bus. Uh, they're even talking about the Vegas Loop underneath as a possibility, and he's talking with the Boring Company. So there's all these different things that are Ubers, you know, 100 different ways you can get to a Raider game. Um, I think what is lost on it is that the tailgating won't be the same. And if you went to Oakland, the part of the game that I think meant so much to Raider Nation as they got together as a family, because that's mm -hmm. what everyone that I speak with that is a part of Raider Nation says, is that it is about being a family. They lose the opportunity to do that when they have to tailgate into 20 different parking lots. And some of those parking lots don't allow the tailgating around a Legion Stadium might, but that's a big cornerstone of what the Raider fans, what Raider Nation loved is gone. And I think yeah. that's going to be hard for them to try to find new ways to gather. And uh, and that's part of the, the mystique and the love for Raider Nation that's lost on Allegiant. And can um, I say something to you that I think yeah. is interesting? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've tr I know you've traveled all over covering the NFL. But to me, there's only two places in the NFL <clears throat> that remind me of college football in the excitement of college. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about big time college football. Yeah. <clears throat> Green Bay. Yeah, that's the first Oakland. one I had on my mind too. Okay. <laughs> Green Bay and Oakland. Those yeah. are the two places. So I'm going to go back to that trip I took to Oakland when Rod Marinelli was the head coach of, of the Lions and Matt Millen was the general manager. So Matt told me, go out and walk around. So I'm out walking around and I didn't, have, obviously I was a reporter. It wasn't like I was a Lions fan. I'm just there covering a game. And this is what stood out to me. It was every conceivable color of people, every conceivable size of people. And they were all gathered literally under the banner of the silver and black. Everybody offered you food. Everybody invited. I mean, I got to tell you, I even had some offers I won't talk about on your podcast because they weren't friendly. I mean, they weren't family <laughs> friendly. But I'll, I'll just say this. I saw one lady who was a nun and I asked her, I said, are you, I mean, are you a Raiders fan? She goes, why do you think nuns wear silver and black? Effing right I am. And I'm like, whoa, okay, lady. She goes, God's a Raider fan. I loved it. Okay. 
I mean, people inviting you to whatever. It was just, to me, it was an atmosphere that made the Raiders the Raiders. I don't want to go walk through a tailgate and for a Raider game and have somebody say, would you like any Ray Paul? That's not going to be Raiders to me. So I'm, I, I think this. I think this is going to be a feeling out process Yeah. because I, I think even if the Raiders are good or bad, it isn't going to make a difference because people are going to want it. Cause here's the thing. If you would say you're living in, in Chicago. Okay. Which I have, I have about 15 to 20 friends coming from Chicago. Okay. It's the middle of winter. So you want to get out of there. Do you want to go to LA or do you want to go to Vegas where you can make it a weekend with the gambling, the shows, the fun? Listen, my one buddy from Chicago, him and his wife and his in-laws are all coming, four of them. I'm not even going to tell you what they paid for tickets, but I will tell you this. They paid more for tickets than my first three new cars cost. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Now, that tells you how old I am, Heidi, but it still is true. Depends but on what kind there. of car you bought, Hondo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, True. But let me share this with you, okay? They paid five figures, big five figures for four tickets together, okay? But he's like, listen, my wife and mother-in-law wanted to go because they want to go to the shows. They want to do the shopping. People are going to pick Vegas over LA. Let's be brutally honest. Any if you Only people who live in LA, and I'm not even sure they would pick LA over Las Vegas, I mean, it, Las Vegas is it is a destination experience. Um, again, another one of my friends. He lives in Knoxville, Tennessee. Big, big Bears fan. He's coming out for. Okay, I get. Uh, here's another one. Got a buddy coming out for a Colts game, bringing the whole family. And he's like, "Listen, I'm going to take him to Lake Mead. I'm going to take him to Hoover Dam. We're going to. They're going to ride the roller coasters. They're going to do the big Ferris wheel. I'm going to the game. I mean, do you see my point? This is why." Vegas, and this is where the brilliance of Mark Davis, he priced his tickets right. He, he, he knew this was coming. He's not stupid, but he priced his tickets right. And now the hottest ticket in the country for an NFL football game is right here in Vegas. I mean, come on. If you that's what you want, but it's going to be painful. Grab your checkbook and get a second job <laughs> or a second mortgage. Depending on what works out. <laughs> My figures, geez, criminy. I hope that that Raider fans keep their tickets and show up in droves. Because if it is, how fun would it be, Heidi? Because you sit in the press box. How fun would it be to look out those big open windows by the torch? to see all the massive humanity out there that couldn't get in, to see all the painted silver and black, to see the people wearing shoulder plaids with blades. I mean, that's what the Raiders is all about. Man, I'm ready for some football. How about you? Oh, I'm so ready. And on that note, I hope I see you out there at the minicamp or yeah. the OTA sessions, Hondo. And uh, we'll definitely get together again and do this soon. But if you'd like to, please throw out any social media, any podcasts, any links, things that you're working on, wonderful articles. Hondo, what do you got for the fans to check out? Tell you what, coming tomorrow, we got my black hole article, which is an article I do on a regular basis where I take people inside the building with inside scoops. I'm going to give you guys some reports on some guys that have really stood out. I'm going to give you some, a lot of people don't know this. You know, there's not a lot of free agents, but the Raiders are still kicking tires on some trades. 
they're still looking to upgrade their team. So going to have a lot of stuff there. Looking forward to a lot. And again, thank you for that. And I just want to commend. I know that we're competitors, but I love the work the Las Vegas Review Journal does. I love it. I've had my wife even say, hey, did you see what Vinny wrote? Do you see what Adam wrote? Did you see what Heidi wrote? And I'm like, honey, why don't you read me? She's like, okay, I will. And uh, I, we love the Review Journal. Thank you for having me on. You're the best, Heidi. Well, if you guys subscribe, um, hit my link, mylvrj.com slash fang. <laughs> we do. We're subscribers. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on again. And I look forward to seeing you out there on the field with us uh, this summer, Hondo. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. You're the best. All right. And that was Hondo Carpenter here joining me again on the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you listen and also check everything out that we do with your Raider coverage 24-7 on VegasNation.com or check it out in print as well. And for this week, I was going to do one of my quick takeaways, but we already kind of talked about it. It was going to be about Julio Jones and all the coverage around that and where he ended up and how the Titans have now just become one of the more feared teams in the AFC. At least that's what I think. I think with Derrick Henry, with the wide receiver core that they have, this team is going to be one that will be hard to stop. So uh, look out AFC for the Titans and Julio Jones. And I really appreciate everybody for always tuning in. If you ever have any comments or things you want to say, go ahead and find me on Twitter at Heidi Fang. And I uh, also check out my Facebook fan page, Heidi Fang. So thank you again for tuning in. I'll be back next week. Use your mobile phone to get seven minutes of nonstop news from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Seven at seven, weekdays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. 